So I have a question for you, Paige. Imagine you were a party leader and your party had won a constituency by like 6,000 votes last time around. And then you had a by-election and you won it by 300. Ooh. Would you consider that a success or a failure? I would consider it a skin of my teeth thing and I would be wincing all the way home. Would you, for instance, be going across the media, taking victory laps and literally saying, Labour's coming home. What? That's what Keir Starmer went out and said when he won the Batley and Spen by-election by 300 votes. But that's a margin that decreased. Yeah, it, it, got, it went down. Like The party lost 7% of his vote. It went down. I don't think that's something to... I mean, like I'd be pleased I won. I held the thing. Like, I held the constituency. But I wouldn't be crowing over it being good. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a great result, you know, holding on to a seat that Jeremy Corbyn won twice despite losing both times. It's just a fantastic result. Yikes. Labour's coming home, you know? Labour's coming home. Um, what I understand, and this is going to showcase my complete lack of sporting knowledge, that I understand that football is coming home. No, it's not. It's not? No, football never comes home. I know very little about it. I, I know more about elections in other countries than I do about football in this country. So That's fine. It's just the cool dotty ball doing its thing. It's not coming home. It never will. I sound so dire. That's okay. <laughs> like, welcome back to the podcast. It's not coming home. And neither is Labour. Hello everyone and welcome to the Stats for Lefties podcast, the episode about Keir Starmer's no good, very bad day. In this episode, we'll be talking about the impact of Labour's local election defeat, discussing the decline in Starmer's approval ratings and asking whether it might be time for Keir to let somebody else lead the Labour Party. Uh, joining me, I have my wonderful co-host, uh, Paige. And as always, uh, we're going to begin with a quick polling roundup. Uh, would you like to take it away, Paige? Yes, I will. Uh, the latest polls show the Tories 10 points ahead of Labour, which would result in a landslide Tory majority of 64 seats. Uh, Labour would win just 210 seats, which is a gain of just eight. Bozo the Clown is 15 points ahead of Keir Starmer in best PM polling, whilst Starmer's net approval rating has dropped to negative 16. This is his lowest yet. Johnson's approval, negative one is now negative for the first time since February. Woo! But 42% of voters still approve. Yeah. So it, it's it's good that Johnson's approval seems to have finally started to drop below positive figures, which I imagine is something to do with the various controversies he and his government have been involved in, but it's still a solid block of voters who really, really like him. Can you imagine if Labour ever had, had even three of these controversies? Somehow the Tories can do anything and face no repercussions. No, exactly, of course. I, I have to say that, like, I did kind of think that the the Tory, as many call it, vaccine bounce might have faded a little bit by now. But they still um, seem to be edging along at like 11, 10 points ahead in the polls, although it's kind of edged slightly down in the last uh, few weeks. But they still came very close to winning a previously safe Labour seat, so they seem to be doing very well. You're a little bit more in tune with the normal world than me, Paige. I don't know if, if you have any insight into why people might be so positive towards the Conservatives. Vaccine 
everything's opening up again. I'm tired of COVID and Boris wants to get rid of masks. Yeah, the mask thing, I, I don't really... Because I've been asking people for like the last few weeks, um, firstly, whether, whether the, what they thought the relaxation of restrictions, what do you think this actually means? Because ever since they semi-relaxed things, it's been kind of like cafes and stuff open with distancing and masks and masks on buses. And I'm like, I'm confused as to what would change. But I guess my life is is rather sedentary compared to a lot of young people. Like they go out to clubs, which aren't open at the moment to the full capacity. And they go and do, you know, fun things like Quasar and stuff. And I don't really do that. So maybe it's just, it's just me, but I, I don't see that much is going to change, especially given that I'm going to keep wearing my mask anyway, because it's not like the pandemic's over. Like, it may not be compulsory to wear it on buses on the 19th, but I'm still going to do it. I don't think that much will change. I think it's just very reactionary thinking. I think a lot of people who are very anti-masker, you know, also anti-common sense in a lot of ways, which is probably also why they vote Tory. Um, anyway. I have been um, rather relieved in a way that we haven't had the anti-mask movement that's kind of exploded in America. Mm. There hasn't been as much um, sort of like COVID skeptic sentiment. But then part of that is, of course, because we haven't really had many politicians who have been encouraging that uh, scepticism. No. Um, whereas in America, of course, you have quite a lot of them who are, including the former president of the United States. Uh, our next section is going to be on the local elections and by-elections that happened last month. I know that it was pretty bad, mm. but that's pretty much what I know. I can see some numbers on your plan that worry me so we had uh as was there was a meme that floated around labor twitter during the elections where it was keir starmer stood next to a poster that had his face on it and it said remember there are three elections on may the 6th and that was all it said it was just him his face and it had three elections because there were loads of different elections there were councils local mayors regional mayors devolved elections police and crime commissioner elections and it was somewhat mixed if you look at all of those in totality. In the council elections, Labour had what I think is unambiguously a very, very bad night. Uh, we lost over 300 seats in one night as well as eight councils. And for context, Corbyn's first election, uh, local elections, he lost 18 seats. So this is like dramatically worse. And that included Bristol, where we lost a majority and the Greens won the most seats and votes. Durham, where Labour has had a majority for the last 100 years and now it's run by the Lib Dems and Tories. Dudley, where it's now run by the Tories. And Nuneaton, where it's now run by the Tories. And by my reckoning, that's the worst result for a new opposition leader in at least 50 years. And I say that because we don't really have much data going back beyond Margaret Thatcher's first local elections about 50 years ago. So it could be the worst in a lot, lot longer, possibly 60, 70 years. Um, so that was pretty bad. I don't know how the local elections in uh, in in our city in Norwich um, did 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 you notice those much or I didn't notice this much. If I might make an observation, yes, I wonder how much of an impact the fact that most of the people who vote in local elections tend to be. I don't know what the demographics of that group is because I obviously far fewer people vote in local elections as opposed to general elections. Definitely. I'm just really curious about what the demographic of that group is and whether there was something specific about that group that means that they swung so sharply. Like, I think that would be really interesting like to learn about. 
because I, 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 what I'm saying is, I wonder, I wonder how reflective that is of the wider pool of voters and whether this is a very like small reactionary group or whether this is a sign of things to come. Like, I don't personally know either way. I just think it's something interesting that, Kira, if you're out there, you should really be researching that because if, if it is indicative, you're in big trouble. Well, there's lots of evidence to suggest that people who vote in local regional elections in England certainly tend to be older um, and, like, more conservative people and like young people more progressive people don't tend to um mm. turn out and vote in elections that don't uh, have too much relevance to their lives do you think part of it then is young people are switched off by Keir Starmer? i think there are i mean the polls tend to vary on how much young people are voting in labor but even that doesn't tell us too much because that just tells us who young people who are voting are voting for it doesn't tell us how many of them are voting um but it does seem to suggest that people aren't very enthusiastic about Starmer. And while I suppose his supporters would say you don't need people to be enthusiastic, we had a but guy... You do need people you, to be enthusiastic to vote for you. You do. You certainly need them to be enthusiastic if you want to win local and regional elections. Especially if you're going against Boris Johnson, who is a dung heap of a man, but is apparently is quite charismatic to his supporters. If you want to go against that kind of vim and vigor fan base you need to have that kind of vim and vigor on your own side as well yeah i mean i think so i think that there's a real possibility that corbyn's very bad result in 2019 will end up being viewed as like a a surprisingly good result uh compared to what what's coming in the future if, if we continue along this path of just uh, you know un yeah. unenthusiastic meh. Meh. um that said, there were good results in May. Results Ooh, that made me very, very happy. Um, so one, of course, was Labour won London. Let me scroll down here. It won it with a reduced majority, but it did win. Um, and it gained uh, two regional mayoral elections. Um, the West of England, which I did not expect, um, which is the area Bristol and some areas uh, around it that are more rural. Mm. And I thought the rural areas would outweigh Bristol uh, but we we still won like by twenty points in the west of England, and now we have uh, the mayor there, which is really great. The biggest shock of the night was Cambridgeshire, where the Metro Mayor position went to Labour after second preferences from Lib Dems added to Labour's vote uh, gave it to the Labour Party. Oh yeah. And now uh, Cambridge, well the full name's Cambridgeshire and Peterborough, but it's basically the county of Cambridgeshire because Peterborough's in in the county of Cambridgeshire, um, and now it's got like a, a Labour mayor. Um, the county council is Labour Lib Dem coalition. Um, the only uh, county-wide position they have now is the police commissioner, um, which people... It was one of those weird sort of things. In America, you have all those split ticket voting, right? Where one mm. party wins the Senate, one party seat, the other party wins the presidency. And you had that in Cambridgeshire, where like people voted for a Labour mayor and for a Tory PCC. And I get that I'm a very partisan person, but to me, that's just kind of weird. That's very interesting. I just like... And it wasn't even just a case of because obviously Labour didn't win the most votes in the mayoral election as well, but the police commissioner election also uses the transferable vote system, and even then Labour didn't pull it off there either. So I, I, it just seems as if there were a few thousand people who were willing to vote Labour for the mayor and the council, but not for the police commissioner. It makes sense though to me. You think they trust the Tories more with policing and crime and stuff? Well, they're seen as more 
tough. Yeah, they are seen as more more tough on on crime, which is is, is... Starmer's been going around talking about how Labour's going to be tough on crime, and it just feels it's kind of pointless because you're not going to convince Tory voters that Labour's tougher on crime than the Tories. No, you should be going to things you can win encouraging passion in the people who already vote for you like the young people who might age out of labor if you don't do more to actually keep Mm. them voting for you like i'm just i know it's like a dead horse that i flog every time but like if you have such a massive majority with that demographic you should really court that demographic and make sure they don't swing away from you because you never do anything for them like if they hit 30 and they come into capital, will they still vote for you if all you've done is ignore them for 15 years? Yeah, I mean, that's what happened in the 1980s, right? Is Labour had taken young people for granted and not really done anything to cater to that demographic. And then those people got to the 80s. Thatcher came along and said, hey, you, we're going to give you a house. We're going to give you money. We're going to lower your taxes. Vote Tory. And they went, heck yeah. Like, I know older generations in my family who did vote Tory in the 80s as young people. And the polls at the time suggested that they won the most votes amongst young people, um, which is unthinkable now. But Labour at the time had made the same mistake of we don't need to do anything to win these people over. And they uh, they ended up losing them very badly. I feel like the current trajectory of Labour is repeating that mistake of we can just take this demographic for granted because they care about race, gender, sexuality, uh, disabilities, so they will vote for us. And it's just really taking them for granted and not giving them a reason to stay. It's not It's not giving any support on those things except lip service as well. Like, you can't just take this massive demographic for granted. Like, sure, you have it right now, but do something to keep them rather than trying to pander to people who don't seem to be interested. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the kind of problem that we faced is that the past year has been Starmer attempting to appeal to people who uh, voted Labour before and then voted Tory in 2019, of which there weren't actually that many. There are a lot of people who went to to don't don't know non-voter Lib Dem Green SNP and far more of those than there were ones who switched to the Tories. And most of the people who are voting Tory in the North, the Midlands, in the so-called Red Wall are people who've always voted Tory. And so trying to appeal to them is pointless. They're not going to switch. Or they're people who voted UKIP in 2015, which I guess you do need to win some of them. But the last guy to win a load of people who voted UKIP and then get them to vote Labour was Jeremy Corbyn in 2017. But on that very topic, the most astonishing defeat in May was in Hartlepool, where we talked about it on the podcast in the upcoming uh, the run-up to the by-election, and ultimately Labour lost it uh, in May, despite Jeremy Corbyn winning it twice. And Starmer lost it by a, a landslide margin. Tories increased their vote share by 23 points, and Labour's vote share went down by 9 points. So there are a lot of people who were saying, well, of course, Labour's going to struggle there because the Brexit party and the Tory party together had a lot of votes in 2019, and the Tories have gone full Brexit, so they're probably going to win a bunch of them. But that argument only stands up if Labour's vote stands up too. And it didn't. It went to 29%, which was the lowest it's ever had in the constituency, or I think since the 1920s. Good God. So it was like, and not only that, but the constituency polls of Hartlepool show that voters overwhelmingly disapproved of Starmer. Like oh, he was, he specifically was him specifically him. Specifically, yeah, specifically him. So for a while, it's been a kind of like meh response to him. And now it's just kind of people like, no, I, I really don't like this guy. Like, I'm not a big fan. He doesn't have any opinions. Oh, he has one opinion. He he. Okay, so this is one thing that's funny. 
he, by all accounts... He's really impressed with the Tory vaccine rollout. He is. Is the only opinion I know about him. We were talking about football before, but, like, by all accounts, Keir Starmer genuinely does like football. Like, he... he but, like... Good he, for him. He doesn't... Every time he talks about it, he sounds insincere. It's really funny. <laughs> it's because he's wearing a suit. Well, maybe. But, like, every time he's, like, a picture of him celebrating football, it looks like it's an act or it looks like he's, like, trying to be enthusiastic about something he doesn't really care about. But by all accounts, he really does... Which is why it's so weird that he looks like he's focus grouped his football. But like he unquestionably he does like it. Maybe that's the charisma problem then. Yeah. That's the issue if he can't look passionate about something he is actually no. passionate about. No wonder he doesn't no wonder he has the charisma of I don't know, a, a dank tea towel about most of his policies. It's like if I tried to explain uh Cyberpunk, the game, to somebody, right? But instead of talking about all the things I liked about it, I just sort of talk, started talking about the mechanics of the gameplay. Oh, no. And people wouldn't really get the sense that I like the game. They just think I looked up how it worked. But I do like it, even if I wasn't coming across like that. And yeah, that, so that's that's what it, I think people kind of look at Starmer and think you don't seem to have any actual passion or ideas. But anyway, uh, the other good result was in, in Wales, where Labour won half of the seats which uh is actually very impressive it that's the best result they've ever achieved there a uh, joint with other results in the past because they have a proportional system yeah so winning exactly half the seats and staying in government for well by the end of this term they'll have been in government for 27 years i think good god in wales like continuous government in the welsh parliament really impressive stuff like well done mark drakeford but in Scotland, worst ever result. So that wasn't so good. Uh, I have a talk a discussion of like why we think this happened, but we were already kind of talking about it that like Starmer fans say that it's because of a vaccine bounce and that it's because of Corbyn's reputation hanging over the party. But that was like literal years ago. Yeah, it's literally like Corbyn hasn't been anything but sort of leader in name only since December 2019. So the idea that like his reputation is hanging over the party. Is it makes about as much sense as blaming I don't know, Jim Callahan or I don't know Hugh Gateskill. Like these people haven't been Labour leader for like many many years. And I know that many people say that Blair's reputation impacts on Labour today, and I think it does. Mm. But there is a difference in that Tony Blair actually did things in government that people disagreed with, and Corbyn just kind of wanted people to have healthcare and stuff. Corbyn never actually got into power and did anything. No, which of like, course he just had ideas. So we had a talk about Starmer's approval before, and that's what our next section could be on. So let's talk about Starmer's approval ratings. Starmer's approval rating in June is his lowest by far, but it's not the only poor polling. Just 11% of voters now think that Keir looks like a PM in waiting. He's now behind by double digits in best PM polls, and his ratings on competence and other leadership ratings have collapsed. That's an interesting note as well, because competence is what he was always touted with right that's what he was sold to us on was he looks competent he looks like a straight white cisgender man in his 50s <clears throat> yeah so no need a... to cough like that that's yeah that's what people think competent looks like my favorite thing i saw during the leadership election was when there was a guardian article talking about how rebecca long bailey that lots of people think she didn't have enough experience because she only entered parliament in 2015 and i was reading and thinking but so did keir starmer he also entered parliament on the same day as Rebecca Long-Bailey, they both got elected in the same year. 
it's just like I think a lot of people have they've cast around for explanations as to why is Starmer doing badly? Why is why have his policies not like appeared? Why why is he this? Why is he that? And the answer is quite simply: this guy has never had any involvement in politics. He's been an MP only since 2015. He was very overpromoted very very quickly. And because he looked and behaved a certain way. Yeah, and at the end of the day, he's a very inexperienced politician who doesn't know what he's doing. And people knocked Corbyn a lot for being in Parliament for so many years and not being on the shadow cabinet front bench, although that was because people didn't want a left winger on the front bench. But the fact that he'd been in Parliament for so long meant that he understood how politics worked, which meant he actually had a lot more experience than virtually anyone who's become Labour leader in the past few decades. More than Blair had, more than Miliband had, and far more than Starmer has ever had, which is why he was so able to be just so serene about all of the stuff that was thrown at him. Whereas Starmer gets the slightest criticism and, you know, he sacks people, like he 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 starts talking about how Labour's coming home when he wins a by-election that he should have won by mar massive margins. Just, it's not very good at what he does. Is, is my view on him very obvious yet? Let's be clear, though. We would both vote for him tomorrow if there was a general election. Oh, of course, of yeah. of course we want Labour to win. Of course, yeah. But it's also valid to be able to criticise. Like, if you see the direction your movement is going in and are like, oh, for God's sake, it's valid to try and grab the steering wheel of the bus and be like, please don't. So I suppose this leads us on to... Uh, our next topic with the party barely winning a by-election that it should have won hugely losing one in may that it should have also won approval ratings collapsing the guy who was pitched as the electable guy who was going to be 20 points ahead that's clearly a thing of the past do we think it's time for somebody else to take the wheel um would that change much uh, and who might replace him like I i've not actually asked your opinion on it it may be that you differ from mine but that's obviously would be an interesting discussion. I feel like Labour's current problem, though, is it has this perceived, like, it has this perceived aura of running through party leaders, like, one in, one out, one in, one out. We never really get a chance to get to know any of them because they're only in for, like, three years and then they're gone. And I know the Tories have also gone through quite a lot of, of, of party leaders in the last 20 years, but... I feel like Labour definitely has that feeling of, oh, here's another one. As much as I dislike Keir Starmer and think his strategy is pants, I don't know if more chaos is the right answer because Labour is currently fighting that reputation of the party of chaos, the party of, like, you never know what's happening or which way is up, like the party of infighting. And I don't know if another leadership campaign is going to do anything other than reaffirm those beliefs. I can definitely understand that point of view. And I felt for a while as if it wasn't a particularly productive to talk about changing leader because it, it wasn't going to happen. And it would have just caused another, as you say, divisive leadership contest. Um, and my view for the last year has basically been, here's things that Starmer can do to turn things around. And it, But at this point, as a lot of people on the left have pointed out it's basically calling for someone to do things that they have no desire or interest in doing. Um, the things that Labour needs to turn itself around, uniting the party, you know, by doing things like restoring the whip to Corbyn and making the left feel included again, uh, having popular policies um, like, you know, nationalising the railways and things and, uh, you know, actually opposing the government. These are things that Keir Starmer will not and does not want to do, which means as much as it might be somewhat divisive to have a leadership contest, I feel as if it's the only way to actually get those things to happen is a different person at the top. 
I just don't understand the point of the Labour right. The Labour centre and the Labour centre right and right, they just feel like people who are shitter Tories. That's all it feels like, it's kind of like shitter, more watered down Tories, a lot of them. Mm. Because they're not doing anything to court the youth. What are you doing? What? Who the hell are you trying to get to vote for you? Like, because all you're doing is confusing things and confusing the party. If your largest vote of it... Here I am again with the dead horse. It's not a dead horse. If it's your a very largest good point. voter, po- if your if if your huge majority is with young people, why are you rejecting the left? Like, what the hell are you doing? Of course they're gonna leave you and go vote green. Of course they're gonna not vote for you. I'm just I I keep being baffled by it. I'm like, what on earth are you doing? The thing that gets me is just the complete lack of actual ideas and beliefs. It's just a kind of the only belief that people on the Labour right have is they should be in power because they're better at governing. And it's like... But they don't give any evidence for that. Yeah, well, they, and they don't even say what they would do in government. It's just kind of, we would do things like what Blair did. And it's like, well, okay, well, he did some things that I don't like. And like, do you, like, what would you plan to do? And they never have an answer. And I just think there were people in the past on the right of the Labour Party, on the centre of it, who I would disagree with, but they had ideas. Mm. People like Hugh Gateskill, who was unquestionably a Labour right guy in the 50s, like he had a sense of what he believed in. Like Neil Kinnock had a sense of what he believed in. Jim Callaghan, like these people have a vision for the country that was to the right of what I believe in, but it was it was clear they carried it out and they promised that they would carry it out. Even Blair in the 90s had a clear sense of what he wanted to do. And nowadays, you just have people on the Labour right who don't know what they want to do except win. But they don't know how to win except by saying the left is bad. And they don't know what to... Do. And it, which only splits the party further. Exactly. And additionally, as well, it's like, I look at I look at Keir Starmer and I'm like, I literally don't know what you want to do if mm. you win. I don't feel like I know what you want or what you want to do with the country. Yeah, I mean, I... I this is ultimately like why I think it, I I don't want it to be like taken too like personally like I don't necessarily think that he's a bad guy I just don't think that he has what it takes to be political leader um I don't I think, I think you're right I think he's been promoted above above his station he's been promoted too fast and does, he's trying to behave like a lawyer because everyone was like yeah he's a lawyer including me but you're not in the courtroom right now yeah. you're a politician and politicians are meant to argue each other down and they're not supposed to be like i really like what you're doing wow my opposition's so good why are people why do people like him he's really good but why do people like him yeah i just like ultimately like i'll hold my hands up and say you know corbynites like me we lost and we Mm. were frequently points behind in the polls by double digits and our guy had poor approval ratings but we didn't go around saying the reason our guy is doing badly is because the government's doing such a good job that's it's such a bizarre like why would you say that why would you go out to the electorate and say oh we're failing because we suck and the government's great (laughs) it's such a mental when you put it like that you realize how utterly bizarre it is that they behave like that it's really really strange it's it's almost and like so many of these folks think that they're harking back to the 90s when blair did so well and won right but the 90s were a long time ago not only that but blair didn't behave like this at the time There's a very famous uh, video of him at Prime Minister's Questions and the major government, the John Major government, was mired in crisis, it was divided, it was unpopular 
And there was this famous scene where Blair, like, literally just leaned across the dispatch box and, like, yelled in their faces, weak, weak, weak. And he said stuff like, you know, uh, the party I lead, we put our manifesto to our membership and it got 98% support. He couldn't put his manifesto to his cabinet and get 98% support. Imagine Keir Starmer saying something like that. You, he would never say anything like that. You can't. Because it involves confrontation and he's not good at that. He'd be like, well, sometimes I think you make mistakes, but I guess it's okay. Anyway, that was an interesting discussion. Um, did you l- like my Keir Starmer voice? I did. It was a good, it was a good Keir Starmer voice. I think it needs to be a bit more nasally. Actually, Mr. Prime Minister, you are not doing things correctly. So let's finish off with, I suppose you could call a palate cleanser. Election slash poll of the month. The poll of this month is undoubtedly the latest poll in the Brazilian presidential election. Lula da Silva, the left-wing former president who is now running again, is 30 points ahead of the right-wing incumbent and should win in the first round. Yeah. So it's good stuff. It is good stuff. Obviously very, very good that Brazil, which of course home to the world's largest rainforest, is going to be run by a a left-wing guy who cares about the climate again. Please take care of the trees. Yeah. I mean, like, that that was... He's like an absolutely wild guy, uh, Lula. Like uh yeah, so it's it's yeah, it's it's really exciting. And I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing um seeing you win him him win next year, hopefully. Well, um I think that's uh that's all we have time for today, folks. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh and be sure as well to check out Paige's excellent podcast, um, The Junket Podcast, which you can find at um I believe it's at the Junket Pod on Twitter. It's at the Junket Pod on Twitter, yeah. thejunketpodcast.com, or on Podbean, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to fine podcasts. I believe we reached 800, or is it 1,000 downloads now? Uh, we've reached 800. I thought if it was 1,000, I'd have been doing a little jig in my chat. Ah, that's true. I see so, we've got a little lovely drawing you did of the first 500 there. Yeah, I'm doing little sketches every time we hit a milestone, just for me, and then I pin them up around my computer like a little nerd. Ah. Uh, yeah you're doing a great job at it i'm having a lot of fun um, thank you and yeah i always do my best to share it with my audience because i think you guys would really enjoy it as well we have a lot of fun together and yeah it's it's really professionally produced but yeah um thank you very much for listening um and goodbye goodbye wow making it sound final you're gonna be back <laughs> i'm I, I well actually i maybe i maybe, i didn't tell you this but i'm going to mars You've been listening to Stats for Lefties, which is a podcast between two good buds, myself, L, And me, Paige! To talk about, you know, stats, uh, elections, general British politics from the perspective of young Labour-supporting lefties. Um, if you enjoyed uh, our content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lefty Stats. And if you want to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash leftystats. I would also encourage you to check out Page's podcast, which is a Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast. Why don't you tell us a second about that? I will. So I run a little old show called The Junket Podcast, which is a bi-weekly Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast where a bunch of queer people zoom around in space and have a jolly old time trying to save the universe or something. Uh, you can find us at thejunketpodcast.com or on Twitter at thejunketpod.